Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Must Have Seen TV. The year is 2022. We're uh, we're still in a pandemic, people. <laughs> put your put your masks on in public spaces. I don't know. Just be cognizant. Uh, you know it's me because I'm coming in hot and kicking the tires on this old uh, feed because I am trying <laughs> to get this going again. I did not mean for... I'm not even going to look when the last episode was because I don't want to feel that shame. Trust me, I feel the shame <laughs> every single day. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to get on and just... Uh, well, yeah, like, hopefully pressure me into... Um, uh, actually getting episodes going again and also just to you know talk about where I've been and do something new uh with well I guess not new because I've done this before um but I just wanted to give everyone an update on what I've been doing which is writing a book I I do not know where I stood with the Hayden Rourke biography the last time that I did an episode let me just see and you know uh we're still operating under I do this by myself and have no money to pay anyone to help me rules so I'm just uh doing this live with no editing uh so I've written an addition I've written 22,000 words since last you heard from me I have written a total of 47,604 words in a biography of I Dream of Genies, Hayden Rourke, um, it is going well, and I'm here to talk about um, one little section of that book. But first, I I want to read some of the iTunes reviews that I beg everyone for that uh, that I have never read because I don't even look at the guy. I beg for them, and then do I even read them when they're posted? No, I need to do that better. So there are four, I think, which is so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, because it does at times feel like I do this show uh, in a bit of a vacuum. Because again, I don't have a co-host. Or I don't even have a producer. I'm just myself. And I mean, especially uh, vacuum uh, with, <laughs> with the pandemic. Um, so it, it, that's been hard. And anytime I can hear from anyone, uh, that just feels great. Um, so yeah, let me just read uh, some of these. Uh, there's one from what's the oldest one? Uh, one from Golden Grizz zero zero one. So glad I found from July eighteenth, twenty twenty one. Great show to nerd out on classic TV with 
edit and came back and edited uh would be great to have an episode on beatrice arthur's ig72 sitcom mod i agree that is actually um streaming on prime video now because i just got like the entire norman lear library uh, i watched a couple of episodes over the holidays which i know last time i was like we're gonna come back and it's holiday gauntlet time and then uh seasonal depression set in and then also just the holidays and then also trying to write a book um i got covid in january from not even leaving my apartment i just apparently got it from the lobby <laughs> seriously me and my husband have been quarantined for six weeks and then we got covid so you know that's kind of why i'm also like on edge about everything is just like it's gonna get you it's gonna get you over and over again get boosted people um but yes, I watched a lot of uh, mod episodes over the break, and very good show. Uh, she's so good. Uh, B. Arthur is really great. So I uh, that's something that I need to do. Uh, now there's one from uh, December 26, 2021, from Kirk McD, which K R K McD, which I don't know. I would think might be Kirk D'Amato. Because I know my friend Kirk D'Amato and past guest of the show loves uh, Scrooge McDuck. Um, my favorite guide to TV. Not only does Brett know his stuff, but he's a charming, amiable, and engaging host. You can tell he loves all of this. And listening to each new episode is like a trip down memory lane. Even if I've never seen the episode or heard of the TV. And then that's uh, apparently all I can read. Because the interface in the podcast app on the desktop of a MacBook is horrible. Thanks apple so <laughs> thank you for that um uh, yeah same thing same problem with this one uh from march 13th 2022 john boy 0416 wrote, uh the headline is over the top but it's four stars <laughs> so i don't know what maybe it's not maybe it's not five stars because i am over the top i first heard the host of must have seen tv on gayest episode ever which i was on to talk about the hate and rourke book so you and i dream of genie so you can go uh, listen to that, uh, which I enjoy shipping the, the two hosts and their body dysmorphia conversations, how Will and Grace and friends ruin their lives, uh, which I assume is the gayest episode ever host, not me. And then Brett White is far more. I have no idea because again, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, I can't read what the rest of the review is and I don't know where to even click it to find out. So that's great. I, I'm far more something, maybe uh, far more confident uh, in my body. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, and then one from just this past Saturday. So like six days ago. Uh, hopefully not too late. Five stars from GMT66. I have just recently discovered this gem. For someone who loves classic TV, this should be right up your alley. It even made me look at old Heart to Heart episodes. I hope to hear more from Brett in the near future. And I can't wait to read his book on... Well, that's a mystery. We'll never know what my book's about. <laughs> Thank you so much, GMT66. Uh, you are not too late. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I will be doing, uh, more of these. I have to, and please hold me accountable. Harangue me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White about, uh, doing this really spur me. If you have any guests you'd like to see back, uh, faves. I mean, honestly, if people just talk to me about this show on the internet, <laughs> that will help, uh, help me a lot. Cause otherwise I just feel like I'm doing it for myself. Um, but anyway, updates on the Hayden Rourke book. I will start by saying that I am constantly kicking myself that i have not been uh updating or like recording my process over the past almost two years with this because the stuff 
the little like uh, adventures and mysteries and quests that I go on with this book of like trying to find information, solving mysteries, uh, tracking people down, paying a lot of money to a lot of creepy stalker sites uh, to get people's uh, addresses and stuff. It would make a great serial or uh, the Trojan Horse uh, Trojan Horse Project. It's the new podcast from the Serial People that is very, very good. Uh, downloaded. Uh, sorry. You can tell it's me because I'm not. The Trojan Horse Affair. Uh, it's very, very good. And it makes me wish that I had been recording stuff all along so that I could uh, edit it together and actually just share the process of all this because it's really fascinating, uh, I think, as I find myself interesting. So updates on the book. As I said, I've written, you know, uh, 44,000 words. And I uh, I don't know if I've had any big interviews over the past couple months, but I did visit Hayden's grave. I was in Los Angeles for a wedding, and I found his uh, grave. And the wedding was up in uh, Malibu. Really, like, close to uh, Culver City where he's buried. But... I woke up uh, early on a morning and kind of just was like, well, I need to do this. It was that same, like, pull, that feel that I had of, like, I need to visit him uh, that I had that was like, I need to write this book. It felt similar. And so I just woke up. A lift said it would be there in six minutes. And so I just threw on some clothes, went downstairs at 8 a.m. I got to the uh, Holy Cross uh, Catholic Cemetery, which is massive. Um, A lot of... Super Bing Crosby is buried there. John Candy, uh, Rita Hayworth, I believe. A lot of a lot of people. And I got there at eight thirty, and I was wandering around because I haven't been to a uh, I haven't been to a graveyard in a while. I found the office, and I went in, and I was like, "What do you say?" I was like, uh, "I'm here to see a grave," because obviously. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, he'll be here at nine and pointed to like a gesture towards a little like folding table in the main lobby area. (laughs) That was like, oh, okay, this is where (laughs) the guy with all the information sits and he ain't going to be here until nine. It's 2022. I thought it might be like automated or a kiosk or even just a book out that I could flip through. No. So while I was waiting, I went to like a celebrity grave site, findagrave.com or whatever, and found that in 2001, someone had actually taken a photo of where Hayden's grave is. And so I like, you know, matched up the skyline as seen in that photograph with the skyline I was seeing with my eyes. And I found his grave and I, it was incredibly emotional because uh, it, I, you know, I, I've often thought about how I'm spending all this time thinking about this one man who died when I was three years old and how much he's come to like mean to me uh, and how like, well, I'll never meet him. And that feels, it just feels weird that I'm learning so much about a person who will never know who I am. Um, And to actually be like physically close to him is really weird to think about. But it was really good, and I'm really glad that I went. And I spent a half hour um, talking to him out loud uh, just about myself and this whole process and who I've met and, I guess, like, how they're doing. <laughs> and 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 I read to him um, part of a chapter of the book, I re- which I think I read on this podcast. I read him the part about all the genie kids, uh, how they all loved their Uncle Hayden. So 
that felt good. Um, that that's the big uh, update there. But the other update is since this um, since I went on hiatus accidentally, <laughs> I. Uh, a lot of Lucille Ball stuff has come out. Uh, we've got the Lucy and Desi uh, documentary on Prime Video. And then we also have Being the Ricardos, the Aaron Sorkin uh, film. And then also uh, TCM, uh, The Plot Thickens, did a whole Lucille Ball-like season. And there's one thing that all three of those have in common. None of them really talk about Dream Girl, which is the play that Hayden Rourke did with Lucille Ball. And, and it is very frustrating and I understand why because Lucio Ball is Lucio Ball and there's just too much I mean there was an entire I don't know 12 hour podcast miniseries and Dream Girl got maybe 30 seconds uh, which is the most that it got in the two movies I mean uh, being the Ricardo just completely skips over it and acts like she went from being a movie star to being a radio star which is not the case Uh, and then uh, Lucy and Desi, I think, just like mentions that she did some plays, and that's it. And none of them talk about how this is the play that changed her career, and this is the play that got I Love Lucy made, essentially, like proved it could be a success. It's the play that rejuvenated her career, and it was directed by Justice Addis, Hayden's partner, and co-star Hayden. And so a lot of my time over the past uh, couple months was been like telling this story and getting this part of the book down, which I think is like 8,000 words at this point. It's uh, actually, let me, let me 8,947 words, <laughs> which is, I can guarantee you the most anyone has ever written about the Lucille Ball stint of the Dream Girl national tour. And I know because I have pulled sources from like 12 different Lucy books, uh, a whole lot of uh, like hundreds of newspaper articles, (laughs) just so much, so many things, just like laying them on top of each other, trying to figure out what corroborates what, uh, what negates what, what is real, what is false, because a lot of the biographies get a lot of the details wrong. And I know they're wrong because you can look at, like actual proven dates from newspapers of like where they were when and what was going on around them then and it's super fascinating and i cannot believe that this story has never been told and it is uh one of the main selling points in my book so i guess i'm not going to read the whole thing to you because you gotta buy the book um but I, I can uh, I can read uh, some of it, some of what I've got. Now, I will note that this is um, a first draft. And this part of the book was very hard to write because I was... I thought I had done all my research, and then when I started writing it, I would ask questions like, wait a second, why do these dates not line up? And then I just did, you know, a little bit of digging, and then hit this gold mine of what? level stuff and that happened multiple times where I did not know I thought I knew where the story was going and then I asked a question and it's just like oh no this is actually much more interesting and consequential I I think I thoroughly prove that without Dream Girl without this play that Hayden had just uh, helped her with uh, Lucille Ball would have remained probably a B-movie actor or she might not have got to radio at the time that she did and if she doesn't get to radio at that point when does she get to I Love Lucy? Like, that's the the butterfly effect kind of thing. Like, what little thing could have changed if she didn't get Dream Girl? And what would it have done to I Love Lucy? And therefore, the entirety of the rest of the 20th century. All the way to today. Because it is really 
it is impossible to overstate how important I Love Lucy is to television. Period. So let me uh, open up this and uh, let me find something to read. So to set the stage, um, at this point, Hayden and Jess have already gone out on tour. Uh, Dreamgirl. So Dreamgirl is a play written by Elmer Rice, and it premiered on Broadway in uh, late 1946 or mid-1946. And it's um, it's a play about one bookstore, like bookshop worker, uh, who's the lead character, who her the entire play is her daydreams. So she's like a flight of fancy kind of uh, lady, and she's, you know... Imagining herself in different scenarios with different men, different suitors come by, and it's just like, it's a tour de force is what it is. And it is incredibly demanding for one performer to do because the performer's on stage for 99% of the play, and they're not just playing one character. They're playing one character playing a whole host of far-flung characters. So the degree of difficulty for Dream Girl, for that lead role in Dream Girl, is Olympic. Like, it is wild. And so that's what you have to keep in mind. <laughs> and so Hayden and Jess have already toured for a couple of months. They did, like, a three-month stay in Chicago where they met, um, where I'm pretty sure they met the creator of uh, Frank Kukla and Ali, who was a homosexual himself. So you can look into that. I uh, talk a little bit about that in the book. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and so now uh, they think they're done. It is 1947, and Hayden and Jess are back in New York, just hanging out with their parents, because their parents were family friends, and they all knew they were a couple, and it was very beautiful, and something that uh, we need more of today, because everything is awful. So let me read, instead of <laughs> just ad-libbing all the time. <laughs> 1947 got off to a rough start for Lucille Ball. When production wrapped on her husband's affairs in March 1947, the hard-working character actor found herself cursed with an empty schedule. At just 35 years old, Ball had already appeared in close to 70 feature films. However, over a third of those roles were uncredited minor appearances. After 14 years in Hollywood and back-to-back -back contracts with two of the biggest movie studios around, first with RKO Pictures and then with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, Ball had one accolade to her name the unofficial title of the Queen of the B-Movies. Ball was so frustrated with her career that she actually walked away from powerhouse studio MGM in October 1945 because they kept giving her glam roles over good roles. Ball instead opted to work as a freelancer when the norm was to be under contract with one studio. This independence lasted only six months before Ball trudged back to MGM to sign another contract. Ball's take on her return to contract player life Yes, I am going back to a nice, well-cushioned rut. And once again, MGM had little to nothing to offer the stifled star. Her peers were starting to notice her plight, too. Edward Everett Horton, a homosexual thespian and Ball's co-star in her husband's affairs, believed that Ball had more talent than these people MGM realized. Making matters even worse, television went from a passing electronic curiosity to a serious contender for attention in 1947. So not only was a freelancer like Ball in trouble, the entire movie industry was in trouble. Havoc, that is uh, June Havoc, 
who, uh, by the way, June Havoc just uh, was an actress who co-starred with Hayden in Dreamgirl on that previous tour. So that's the connection. Uh, Havoc arrived at the Desilu Ranch in the spring of 1947 and found her friend in a bit of an existential crisis worsened by the fact that her husband, Desi Arnaz, was touring the country as Bob Hope's band leader. It turns out that Ball just needed some Havoc in her life. Around this time, June Havoc was saying, maybe I should do a Lucy voice? Around this time, oh my god, I mean... She smoked a lot, so I'm not going to do her voice. <laughs> around this time, around this time, June Havoc was staying with us at the ranch, Ball wrote in her memoir, Love, Lucy. She's such a bright, warm, fun-loving person who I thoroughly enjoy having around. One day she said to me, Lucy, I know you're going stir, I know you're going stir crazy. Why don't you take a big chunk of time, now that Desi's away and you're freelancing, and tour the country with a play? Ball did not give this suggestion serious consideration at first. She'd only ever appeared on stage once before, and that was a decade earlier in a production of Hated a Little at Princeton. Havoc's suggestion still lingered in the back of Ball's brain when she traveled to New York City in mid-May to take part in a parade and show benefiting the New York Infirmary Fund. And just to hit pause on this, now, no one actually has ever told like the full complete story of how Lucille Ball got in Dream Girl and multiple biographies like all tell half of it um and then they don't like line up things that were if you just go and look at the newspapers which I think is a thing that you know biographers 20 30 years ago did not have access to thank you newspapers.com please sponsor the podcast um I can go back and I can see like oh this happened because of X because she arrived in New York because it's Lucille Ball so even though she's like queen of the bees her every move is uh, documented in newspapers so anyway to kick off the fundraiser Ball would serve as the marshal of a torchlight parade down 5th Avenue on Monday night and then she'd appear in a benefit show held at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday Unbeknownst to Ball, news of her arrival reached stage producer Herbert Kenwith, who then concocted a plan to cast Ball as the lead in his upcoming play. He had to act fast, too, because the play opened in a month and he'd already been turned down by another actress. First, Kenwith found out Ball's theater-going plans for the week, and then he pulled all the strings he could to get house seats to those same plays, thus placing him in Ball's peripheral vision for three consecutive nights. On the third night, Ball finally grabbed Kenwith by the arm and asked, Who the hell are you? I'm Herb Kenwith. You don't know it yet, but you're going to do a play for me. You're out of your mind. I'm not going to do a play for anybody. Yes, you are. You are going to do a play. What play? It's called Dream Girl. Oh, I wouldn't do that. It's longer than Hamlet. So, pause on that. Uh, every single time they talk about Dream Girl, they basically call it, like, Hamlet for ladies, essentially. Like, it's Hamlet, but with, like, a pink bow in its hair or something. Like, that's what they always compare it to. And it's because when Hamlet opened on Broadway... One of the like uh, blurbs, one of the reviews from blur from review that like made it in all the syndicated papers and stuff was that it is uh, like puts puts Hamlet pales in comparison to like what the lead of Dream Girl has to do. So that is the everyone just talks about Hamlet a whole lot. Um, impressed with his 29 year old kid's moxie, Ball invited Kim with to her hotel for lunch. During their afternoon meetup, a pair of reporters arrived to interview Ball about her next career move. With nothing on the horizon to tell, Ball looked at Kimwith and said, Well, as a matter of fact, I'm going to do a play. Ball didn't intend to do the play, but Kimwith held her to it. After all, she had made a commitment in a soon-to-be-published interview. Ball was also intrigued when she learned where the play was being staged. It would kick off the Princeton Drama Festival as the first production held in the reopened McCarter Theater, the same stage she'd appeared upon ten years earlier. Still on the fence, Ball took the Dream Girl script and asked her pal Havoc for advice. 
Not only was it Havoc's idea for Paul to get on stage, Havoc had famously conquered this demanding role on Broadway. Havoc, as we all referred to her, had appeared in this Elmer Rice play on Broadway, and she thought it would be a good vehicle for me. Who am I? Lucille Ball or Bob Hoskins? <laughs> God, uh, Ball recalled in her memoir. It was the first chance I'd had in years to get away from Hollywood, and of course, to me, the stage has always been it. Ball also knew that if she could somehow get this production to Los Angeles and in front of critics and casting directors, she might be able to kickstart her career. Underline, underscore, all caps, that is the ticket. It gave me a chance to demonstrate some versatility, Ball wrote in Love, Lucy, a chance Hollywood kept denying me. She'd also spent two months just hanging out at her ranch and longed to have a challenge, and Dreamgirl was a hell of a challenge. They handed me 113 pages of lines that gave me 10 days to learn them, Ball remembered. I discovered that I had one minute per act offstage, and that was for costume changes. I asked myself, what if I have to go to the bathroom? Ball decided she was mentally up for it, but her body had other plans. The torchlight parade that had Ball as its guest of honor, it coincided with a steady drizzle that kept Ball damp for three hours as she waved at the massive crowds from under an umbrella. By the time she had a script in her hands, she'd come down with the flu. Still, Ball was determined to learn the entire play in just three to four days. I would have given up if I hadn't caught the flu, said Ball. I had a high temperature while I was learning the lines, and I think it helped. In my delirium, having to give a performance six nights a week, uh, plus two matinees, no longer seemed impossible. Side note. That quote comes from, oh, I know where that quote comes from. Let me click it. Uh, that, that quote, that quote, comes from the uh, book uh, Lucy and Desi. And it just mentioned that she has the flu. Okay, cool. If you are looking through newspapers.com, you then see that at the time that she was in New York, at the time that we know that she was approached to start Dreamgirl, she did a torchlight parade in the rain for three hours. There's like multiple newspaper articles talking about that. And that's one of the cool things that I like was able to piece together is like, oh, she she had the flu, she was in the rain for so long. Like it just is all. <laughs> there's so many of these like fun coincidences that I just uh, love. Um, when it came time to surround the queen of the bees with a hive, uh, Herbert Kimwith didn't have to hunt for hard workers. Kimwith worked with Harold J. Kennedy, and he knew exactly who to turn to: the other two members of Ken Road Productions Incorporated. Before World War II, Kennedy had worked extensively with Hayden Rourke and Justice Addis. Get it? Ken Rode Ad? <laughs> On a tour of Pygmalion with film actor Ruth Chatterton. Now his two buddies had just finished an acclaimed stretch of dates with Dreamgirl. Everything was falling into place. Flu and light blackmail aside. Um, I, I might stop there. That's a fun little chunk uh, that tells you how she got involved with Dream Girl. Um, I don't know. This is a series. I could read more sections of this chapter uh, every week um, if people care. So uh, now is where if you actually do care, you could help me out. Uh, if you know a literary agent or a publisher, uh, literally anyone in the entire realm, if you are yourself an author, a biographer, um, if any of the... I mean, I have a modest, meager audience, but I mean, I'm all about casting that net. I will take help anywhere I can get it. I have uh, been working on this book for two years. I have, I have, I've done a lot. I've I mean, <laughs> written 44,000 words and oof, I have a lot of primary sources. I just got um, a package of uh, Hayden Rourke goodies from the Academy 
as in the Oscars, the Academy's uh, library of letters that Hayden Rourke sent to people like Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Morrison and um, Vincent Minnelli. Uh, so yeah, I'm still like searching to get all these uh, artifacts of Hayden's that are just out there in the world in numerous libraries. Um, while also just still trying to track down people. Uh, if you know uh, Scott Bankston, please, if you know anyone in the Louisiana area, this is now all of a sudden I'm uh, America's uh, Most Wanted or whatever, or uh, the Missing uh, Children's Show. Um, God. If you know anyone of the Louisiana Baton Rouge area named Scott Bankston, please uh, let me know. Hit me up. Tell him that a really fun gay guy wants to talk to him about his um uh beautiful gay adventures in the 80s and 90s uh and i have nothing but the best of intentions and just want to tell a really good story i that would be a big help because scott bankston is (laughs) the biggest piece of this puzzle uh that i need to i need to uh snap into place or whatever um and then also uh linda carter ron howard um, Bill Moomy, I need those. I need interviews with those people. It's uh, very hard to get in touch with them. I've been trying. So yeah, uh, thank every, thank you everyone for uh, caring, and I hope that you've downloaded this episode and listened to this point. Um, I'm not going to check the analytics to see when the drop off rate is. I actually don't even trust that that is accurate anyway, because people listen to podcasts and all different methods. So yeah, thanks everyone. Um. I'm hoping to get back into the swing very soon. If people, if if people even just want regular updates about this, uh, that would also be impetus for me to get back into the swing of things. Although I do realize that the show's, I don't know, this isn't like the Brett White is writing a book hour, uh, but whatever. Um, it's all classic television, and this is a very uh, fun story. And I hope you know, I hope I'd be excited to hear about how Lucio Ball became Lucio Ball with thanks to Hayden Rourke and Justice Addis. So please uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram and at Brett White. You can follow the podcast at Must Have Seen TV on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll respond. Uh, Maybe not Instagram, (laughs) because I don't know if I'm logged in on my phone. But Twitter, I will, uh, hopefully. (laughs) And, I mean, rate and review in iTunes, and uh, please note my total professionalism. And you can read the words that are right at decider.com. Um, I wrote a really, a really, I uh, wrote a eulogy piece for Betty White that I'm very proud of that I wrote in like 30 minutes of just a uh, full on grip of uh, adrenaline and grief that uh, you can go uh, find. Um, Thanks, everybody. Please stay safe. Please, like, also find those pockets of joy wherever you can. Keep watching uh, old television, and I will see y'all sometime very soon, hopefully, on Must Have Seen TV. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.